What's up, everyone? This is the 16th episode of the Triple Option Report podcast. And today, first thing we wanted to talk about was what I watched last night. Showhead Otani. This man has been a unicorn almost his entire, pretty much his entire career. He was hyped up as one, potentially. And I remember a few years ago, people thought, well, he should just stick to, to, to uh, hitting. He just he he's just stick to pitching because people didn't want to risk injury because you know at first he has had some injury problems throughout his career, but as of right now, it seems like it's all starting to blossom together. Not only is he playing at a generational level, even better somehow this year, but the Angels are actually pretty good. Like they're at what uh. 44 and 37. Second place in their division. I, I Really enough, though, they're still not in the wild card because the AL East is just, it's just loaded top to bottom. And it's funny seeing, like, how... Not trying to get off topic, but it is funny just seeing just how different the AL East is compared to, like, the AL Central. We're literally... The number one team in the AL Central is... Uh, but the Minnesota Twins, and they'd be literally ranked below all five teams in the AL East. That's how bad the AL Central is, and how good the AL East is. But yeah, even though they're not technically at the wild card spot, they're right outside of it, which is way better than what they've been pretty much his entire career there with the Angels. So it's looking like it's, everything is starting to come together. But yeah, sticking with Shohei Itani, his performance last night. Two home runs, made all three hits, hit all three times, three of three, ten strikeouts, and only allowed one run the entire game he was pitching. That's the first time he's done that. I believe that's only, what, the sixth time that's been done in the history of Major League Baseball since they extended the, you know, well, you don't know. I believe it's the sixth time... Yes, since they moved the mound to its current distance, which was, what, 1893? Let's see, the only other times that at least ten, two home runs and ten strikeouts were ever complete in a game since 1893. 1961 with Milt Pappas, 1963 with Pedro Ramos, 1971 with Rick Wise, and then you had to wait 46 years. 2017 with Madison Bumgarner, 2019 with Zach Grinky and just now, last night, with Shoya Tani. That, like, there has been a resurgence in, in, like, the last decade almost of pitchers who can hit really well, just in general, but, like, with this guy, Otani's at a whole nother level. Like, he, look at his, his season stats. You know, even just this month, I believe he's had 13 home runs this month of June alone. 13. Then we can look back and see. He had two last night. Yeah, let's see. June 6th, the home run. June 9th, the home run. June 10th, the home run. June 12th, two home runs. June 14th, home run. 15th, home run. 17th, home run. 18th, home run. 23rd, a home run. 26th, on Monday, home run. 27th last night, on Tuesday night, two home runs. He's been on fire this month. While still pitching at an elite level. 
Like, if I, looking at even his season stats, this might be his best year yet. Actually, it is. And home runs, he's 20, he's got 28 home runs. First in all of MLB this year. Wow. Runs bad in, RBI, 64 RBI. First in all of MLB. Extra base hits, 47. First in all of MLB, of, of, of Major League Baseball. Uh, let's see, slugging percentage, 0.654. First in all of Major League Baseball. And then OPS, which is pretty much like it's on-base percentage and then slugging percentage merged into one. First in all of Major League Baseball, the 1.039 percentage. That's just his hitting percentage. Like, <laughs> and it's insane. It's scary how good this man is right now. And then, like, his pitching percentage isn't... And the weird thing is that as great as his pitching, pitching percentage is, his hitting would actually be better. Like, his pitching, though, is still hits per nine, only 5.7. That's first in, in all of Major League Baseball. Strikeouts per nine, 12. That's first in the AL. Strikeouts in general, 1 in 28. That's second in the AL. Uh, whip, which is... Yeah, pretty much is like walks and hits by like total innings pitched. 1.04. That's seventh in AL. And then ERA, ERA, 3.02. That's ninth in AL. That's his pitching stats. So he's both being he could he's the best hitter in, in baseball right now. Which is crazy because initially people thought of him as a, like a pitcher. He is one of the, if not the best pitcher in baseball right now. Like, this is crazy. This is historical what he's pulling off this year. He's easily the frontrunner for AL MVP. No question. Like, when I look at these stats, and he's only getting better, he's still not old, obviously. And, like, he can just keep himself healthy. healthy. Like, he, how old is this man? Let's see. He is... He's only 28. Yeah, he's still young. So, like, if he can keep himself healthy, which has always been a problem with him since he's been in, in, in the league, major league, but if, like, he can keep himself healthy somehow for long enough, we have to start looking at him as, like, I'm not going to say, like, the straight-up GOAT, but as one of the greatest we've ever seen. He's already one of the greatest we've ever seen, obviously, right now. But just, like, if he can keep this up for more years, and who knows, if he could win a World Series... Like, who knows? This, this man's putting up generational stats. It's going to take a long time to match what people like Willie Mays have done, obviously, career-wise. That's the accolades. But, like, if he could keep this up for as long as baseball's usually, baseball players usually keep it up, which is a very long time, definitely over a decade, especially someone of his quality, well over that, who knows? Like, he's definitely on his way to being one of the greatest players of all time. He's the best player right now in baseball. I think. Actually, I don't think I know. Everyone thinks that it's... No. Like, we've had players, you know, Mike Shrout, Mookie Betts. Like, no. He's the best player in baseball right now. Like, clear cut. He's doing things I don't know if we've ever seen at this level. I mean, we've seen elite pitcher hit. Like, we've seen this before. But, like, 
This is crazy. His hitting is literally first place across the board in all of baseball. Like, yeah, he keeps this up. I mean, I know it, people are very premature with how they do takes and everything. Like, oh, he's a go, he's a go, he's a go. I remember people used to say this about Mahomes. Like, he's the GOAT over Tom Brady. But uh, then when they matched up when I won, the Buccaneers demolished the Chiefs. Like, it wasn't even close. And, and what, Brady has seven, seven rings. Seven Super Bowls. And Mahomes has two. Obviously, Mahomes, he keeps this up, and he somehow miraculously gets at least, like, I don't know, one full extra three Super Bowl rings. Who knows? Maybe then we can talk. But seven stands out. So, obviously, yeah, Otani's got, he's still got to keep this up. Can't just, like, stop now. But in terms of, like, performance-wise, his peak is one of the best we've ever seen. It is. And his potential is one of the highest, if not the highest, we've ever seen, honestly. Like, it's scary how good this guy is. So, yeah, it, it, it's just great that we have an all-time great. But, again, it's up to baseball. Got to market these guys. They didn't market Mike Shrout well enough, I thought. And they didn't market Wookiee Betts well at all. Like, they, baseball hasn't marketed well since the early 2000s, I honestly think. That's just me. And that's why baseball has kind of been losing relevance. But who knows? Like, if, if they can somehow... Do I have a lot of uh, trust in, in who's over at MLB right now to do it? No. <laughs> I don't think anyone does. But still, like, he's right there. Another one. Even better. Another generational talent right there for you to push. And to help push the sport. So, yeah, that that was... Well, it's just something I noticed last night, something I saw, and I decided to think, oh, man, this guy's on a run. It's crazy. So, yeah, hopefully they, they do that. Now on to uh, the big thing that just happened. There's now a huge thing, and in this regards to the NFL, well, a potentially huge thing. And it's with the whole deal with, with gambling, and, and at first it looked like just one or two players with, like, one team, or uh, this is just, like, different separate deals. But now they just stated what Adam Schefter just put out that a handful of NFL players, including pointing out one particular player in Colts cornerback Isaiah Rogers, just uh, gotten, I believe it's looking like they're going to have a season-long suspension. Expected, yep, expected to receive a season-long suspension this week for allegedly gambling. So it's not just one player. It's a whole handful of players. And not the ones who've been previously punished, I believe. So we're talking about a, a big thing. And, and this is going to be, this might be an ongoing problem with sports because we, this is a problem that happened also with Iowa and Iowa State's players across different sports there. And, and it could be a, a big problem throughout not just collegiate. Now it's looking at professional sports could spread off beyond football. Because it was, with I, when I was saying it was more than just football, it was almost all the sports. So, who knows what's going to happen next. And this is what happens when, like, when you mix gambling and, 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 and sports, the advertising. I look throughout, I watch any sports and the program, and they always have, what, DraftKings and stuff like that being advertised. And, like, it, it's a slippery slope, you know, because you can't, well, you can, but still, like, to an extent. I guess advertise 
gambling and then like punish your players for gambling. It, it's a lot. Like, okay, like the money in sports is a big thing. It's not even sports either. Not just sports. Like something like pro wrestling. Like I, I see like sometimes they have stuff like if you can bet on what Dave Meltzer will rate Star Rise like a match, and a bet like what? How is that a man's opinion? How are you going to even... Even betting like matches in pro wrestling is insane. Like, it's pro wrestling. It's predetermined. It depends on what the main booker is going to book. How are you going to know what... How are you going to know at all what, what that how that result will be? Like, that's insane to me. That's completely out of your control. That's entirely in one man's control. Like, my philosophy on things like gambling... Like, gambling is, it's something that you could do in moderation, I guess. But, like, it's nothing, I don't know, you shouldn't do it too much. It is something that you, that you can easily be addicted to. Addicted to. And, and things that are, like, things that you can get addicted to, you don't see it coming with addiction. Like, like, like uh, if you're, like, gambling on, I guess, like, uh, an easy favorite to win, like, a boxing match or whatever, I, I guess that's fine. That's cool. But, like, if you're gambling on Dave Meltzer's star ratings, yeah, you might have a problem. If, if you're gambling on, like, Little League World Series, yeah, you definitely have a problem. Like, like there are things that you gambling on that that's, yeah, you're entering it to, like, an addiction level. And then stuff like that in general, just, even, like, alcohol, like, how you advertise that, like, it, it sports has already been deep into this already. So, I, I don't know. Like... It just seems like a, a, a potential can of worms. So, obviously, this is just the beginning. It can get a lot worse. Or this could be a nothing burger that could just not continue afterwards. Who knows? But, yeah, just something to look into more. And to look out for more in the future. Because this, yeah, this might just, to me, my opinion, this is probably just the beginning. Now, I just wanted to point out a few quick things. And with in regards to, the, to sports... Michigan is doing a beat Georgia period, Michigan football, and and I guess some people try to, they're not happy about that, or they're like, Michigan's catching flack for that, I don't mind it, like, Michigan already already does this with Ohio State, right, if there's a, a, something that they have to get over, like a, like a mountain they have to climb to accomplish their ultimate goal, then it's smart for them to, to try to learn how to accomplish that, right, climb that mountain. First one was Ohio State. They had to learn how to beat Ohio State, right? So they did the whole beat Ohio State period, and it's worked the last two years. All right, next up, they've, they've beaten Ohio State. They've beaten ranked teams, right? They've won big games, like conference championship games, right? Okay. What's the one, like, one barrier they haven't been able to, to get over these last two years? The college football playoff matchups. Lost to Georgia in the first round. And then lost to TCU in the first round this previous season. I think doing that whole beat Georgia period thing is that it makes sense to me. Like, it is more of a, it could be a combination of mental and physical, but you never know. Like, teams go match up against Georgia and just now and then just look like they have fear in their eyes. Oregon looks not scared, but they look like, oh man, it's different from the get go. Same with TCU. So, like, if Michigan could learn how to go in there with, like, a killer instinct, who knows? You know? I think that's a good thing. 
works against Ohio State, so why not have it work against Georgia, the best team on paper in the country, right? The defending two-time defending national champs, right? Who are probably the favorites this year. So yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good thing. But yeah, that's just me. All right, it's not biased because I'm a Michigan fan. That's what I honestly think. I think it's a smart thing. I think a lot of teams should try to do that. Like the whole we won Bama, now it's we won Georgia. Why not? Now, if you haven't heard, Tennessee State is becoming the first HBCU to have a hockey program. That's awesome. First off, it takes a lot of money to to have a hockey program, like a legit one, not a club one, like an actual like NCAA, like. Yeah, that takes that takes a lot more money. Usually, you have to get money from like, like a boosters, and the, that's like people outside of the university itself. You have to get money from to get that extra boost because it takes it makes a it, it costs a lot for to make a hockey program in, in in the NCAA. That's like officially not a club program. So, but that's that's great. That means Tennessee State's got some good boosters, some good money coming in, and HBCU that. That usually doesn't happen with HBCUs. Like, they don't have the money. It's not their fault, unfortunately, but the system doesn't help them a lot. So, for one to have enough money to make a hockey program and to fund one, that's great. Hopefully, more in the future. And hopefully, that means that HBCUs are starting to get more money. That's, that's awesome. Like, just, just tell you how much it costs to make an actual, like, fund an actual NCAA hockey program. A good chunk of Big Ten teams, you know, the area where hockey is most prevalent in the Midwest, and with a lot of money, the richest conference in all college sports, even they don't have actual, like, NCAA hockey programs. Indiana, Illinois, Northwestern, Rutgers, Maryland, Nebraska, and Iowa don't have hockey programs, which is crazy because, again, a lot of these schools, Nebraska, I mean, Northwestern, Illinois, they have a lot of money, and they're in Illinois. They're in the Northwestern's in the Chicago area. You would think they would have money or boosters to help them fund a hockey program. Rutgers in New Jersey is also a good hockey market. Shocked they don't have a hockey program. Indiana and Nebraska and I were still in the Midwest. So in those areas still have passionate hockey teams like the Dakotas and stuff. Like, so you would think like, yeah, they'd have money funded for it. No. Nope. Maryland's like the only one out there that I just stated. Like, yeah, I can see that. Probably not going to have a good hockey market because Baltimore doesn't want... Washington does, but not Baltimore. So, yeah. But still, like, they still have a lot of money. Like, these programs have a good amount of money and they're not getting hockey programs. So, yeah, that's great for HBCUs. That's great for Tennessee State. Hopefully, who knows? More could come in the future. And even good for the culture. Like, let's be honest here. Black people aren't stereotypically aligned with hockey. Especially from a non-northern area. So, even though Tennessee has a great hockey market, because the Nashville Predators, but still. Like, that's... That's just an awesome thing. Hopefully, more in the future. And another breaking news that just happened in sports. Simone Biles is returning to the gymnastics competition. The U.S. Classic in August. She hasn't competed since uh, the Tokyo Olympics in 2021. Like, so for her to come back and, like I said, gymnastics is a thing where this, the, the, the window is very, very small. And so it just shows you just how good she is. And she's in her late 20s and still being able to compete at, a, at an elite level. Because I think she'll still be able to compete at an elite level. Who knows? 
But if she is, and and she's able to to be good enough to to make an Olympic team next year, because next year is uh, Paris. Yeah, Olympics is next year already. So yeah, if she's able to to to, to compete in Paris next year somehow, and and, and maybe even win a medal, like she wins a few medals. I mean, she's already considered one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. I think she's the greatest of all time, at least on women's side. I you know, actually overall, yeah. So like, if she wins, comes back like that. This late in the age, like this late in the stage, and, and and wins medals next year. That's a big if. But if that were to happen, I mean, yeah, she's got goat wrapped up to me for gymnastics. That's saying a lot. There've been some all-time greats, like uh, Larissa Latinina. She's an all-time great. The Soviet Union alone, the Soviet Union, especially women's side, just has like a loaded level, gold level women's gymnastics. Uh, Nadia Comaneci, though, is another one, like. Uh, Vera Kasislavska. Like, there are a lot of all-time great women in gymnastics. And so it's going to be hard to... to but I, I do think, like, to say that she's a runaway, probably not the runaway GOAT, but I think this would make her the GOAT to me. Especially if she does, yeah, wins medals next year. That, that comeback? What can you say? Now, on to another comeback that's not exactly positive. <laughs> It's Vince McMahon. Now, there have been reports that Vince McMahon is having a big creative influence again. He's changing cards, whatever. He's got his hands back in creative. Like, he's more... There's overall... Like, he's making remote what this reporting he's doing, but he's more involved now with creative than ever since he's come back. Like, now they say he's likely to... To, to get even more involved, the closer and closer we get to a, an official WWE Endeavor merger. And, yeah, once that happens, I mean, who knows what happens then. He's not golfing the company. He's still, like, chairman of the company. They can't let him go. The only way, I believe the only way he can be get to be let gone is either he himself steps down, which is not going to happen, because it's Vince McMahon we're talking about here. He's not going to do that. Or he dies... And, yeah, knowing him, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon either, really. So, yeah, I, uh, as a reason why I haven't watched a lot of WWE, even with, like, how much better it's gotten. I've watched WrestleMania, but, like, even with how, like, the last less than a year or so that's gotten a lot better, it's still, I don't know, it just feels like inev- it's inevitable. They've had high, spo- high points like this the last 20 years, and then it's just short, and then it goes back into the same old, same old. So who knows? But yeah, not surprised, unfortunately. Speaking of negative things on my television, well, this is more shaming, The Idol. I only watched, I couldn't watch that whole show. What a disaster. Like, you know how things get successful off of just sheer how viral it is? Like, the, the viralness of it? Not even, like, how good it is people can just make success just because people people won't stop talking about it right especially especially now with streaming and, and stuff like that but this is how bad the idol was right at first it had what it was surpassing some major shows in terms of like its first episode for HBO right just because of the talk of it no matter how bad it was 
Eventually, it was so bad, people just stopped watching it to the point that it's, it got 133,000 viewership. Like, total viewership was, was around 133,000. This last episode, episode four. And it's not even going to show all six episodes. First off, I didn't know it was going to be a, sh- uh, uh, a miniseries. Now, they said, like, what, a couple weeks ago is now a miniseries now, and now it's not even going to be all six episodes, just five. Albeit, people have been saying that it was going to be just five for a while now, but still. Out of six, that's how bad the show was. It's got awful reviews. What what clips they've shown online are horrible. The dialogue looks terrible. The pacing for the one episode I saw, episode one, was not good. This felt kind of boring. Then just had weird uncomfortable scenes like it's just it was not well executed at all do i see what they're trying to do with it maybe but the execution was just horrible just awful like it was a disaster really like and and i don't get what warner brothers discovery like they're kind of weird because again with some of their shows and some of the stuff they do is great i love what they're doing with aew I love what they're doing sometimes with some of these shows like Barry and, and Succession, stuff like that. Let them keep going. But until like they found success because of just how good they were and look how it ended out. Phenomenal. A success. They did a good job of reviving uh, the Game of Thrones franchise with, with House of Dragons. But like then there's other things they do. The constant removing shows and programs. Gutting Sesame Street to the point that like only the 60s, 70s, and like now are available on Max. Why? It's just random. Like, like just gutting programs, trying to, to what is it? They're trying to sell TCM, I believe, until they got a lot of, well, not sell, but like they, they're dropping top people until they got a lot of flack from a lot of major directors. And now they're turning around and, and backtracking on it, embarrassed, tail between their legs. Like, there's certain things that were about. Their entire DCEU, just in general, there's a certain, they're, it's their mixed bag. Kind of remind me of DreamWorks in a weird way. Like, DreamWorks have just, like, classics like Shrek 2 and obviously, uh, uh, The Prince of Egypt. But then, disasters like Shark Tale. All within, like, what, a six-year span? Five to six-year span? Like, that, that that's it's like Warner Brothers. They have great spots, and then they have horrible spots. It's weird. This it I don't I don't get them. And this is another line of this. Like it's weird because when's the last time you've seen an objectively bad HBO show? It is very hard to miss with HBO programming in general, even historically. How many HBO shows are actually bad? I, I count on one hand, and I can't even remember the last time there was an objectively bad HBO show. It is awful. There's nothing redeeming about it. People say, like, oh, well, Euphoria is a messy show. Yeah, but even with Euphoria, there's still some high spots. And it's still, yeah, it's not good, but it's still entertaining. This is kind of boring with awful spots. Terrible dialogue, terrible pacing. It is bad all around. Nothing is good about this show. And, again, the acting is horrible. For the most part. It's not... There are actors and actresses who are actually good, but there are some who aren't. So, that's all I'll say about that. Sam Levinson and The Weeknd should not be writing a show together. It's just a mess. Now, as for an actual show that I love, 
and I'm hyped for, not the bear. I, I have watched that show. It's a great show. Season two looks amazing. But actually, I'm going to talk about Invincible. It's going to come out later on this year. And I'm super hyped for it. And I get that some people are like, oh, multiverse. No, there's, there's a big difference. First off, I thought about this with Spider-Man and how some people were shocked, like, uh, that uh, the Prowler, his actual, like, who the, the Prowler is. Like, huh? Like, yeah. Like, this has been in the comic book since, like, the 80s. Or 70s, actually. But, like, yeah, just read the comic books, y'all. Like, Invincible, the, the, his storyline is... That whole part involving the multiverse was important. And that was, what, 20 years ago almost? Like, yeah, y'all. This is going to be great. This is not... Like, the concept concepts in general are not bad. It's executional concepts that make them bad. Like, like uh, you can make... Uh, think of in pro wrestling. There are... Uh, four-way matches are... are yeah, they're harder to, to pull off. But you can pull off a great four-way match. They just did it at a AEW Double or Nothing. Amazing full-way match. You can pull that off. It's just that a lot of people don't or can't. But multiverse storylines, you can pull them off and be amazing. Uh, the 52 series that came out for DC like what, almost 10 years ago. Actually, more than 10 years ago. Oh my gosh, more than 10 years ago. Woo! But yeah, that series is one of the best they've ever done. Or at least, at least this millennia. But, like, there are other storylines that are multiverse that are terrible. And it's, it's all up to execution, really, when you think about it. There was a more di difficulty with making a multiverse storyline than a other, like, storylines, but you can still pull it off, and it still be a, a classic. And this one involving the Invincible in the comic books was a classic, and seeing how they've been able to, to implement comic book storylines into the television show, as good if not better than almost anyone else. Maybe the boys is better because the boys comic is not good. And the boys show is way better than the comic book. But yeah, this is no, if it bases it off of what was in the comics, what they've done a great job of, oh, you're everyone, you're in for a street. This is gonna be amazing. Even better than the first season. And the first season was awesome. So yeah, I'm hyped up for for Invincible and the the, the little clips they show or whatever. Or they look great. I'm hyped up. I, whoop, they have everything that's involved with the multiverse storylines and with, with Invincible in Season 2 and what we expect to see in Season 2. Oh boy, it's going to be insane. Let's just say that, let's just say it's going to be a lot more popular this season than last season. And last season got super pop popular at the end. This one's going to have a lot more dialogue involved. Discussion, I should say. Now, on to my last thing. A big time pick. Last episode's big time pick, I was correct. I picked LSU to win the College World Series and win Game 3, and they smashed Florida. So, yeah. I'm going to try to keep the success up, and this time I'm going to go with a really easy one to me. The men's shot put in Lausanne, the Switzerland Diamond League track and field meet. Back in track and field. Now, for anyone who knows a shot put, this one shouldn't really be a, a tough one to pick. I'm picking Ryan Krauser to win, but him winning isn't the big time pick. I'm going to go a little gutsy here. I'm going to say Ryan Krauser breaks a meat record. It might be it might be his own meat record. Who knows? But he's going to beat break a meat record. That's my big time pick. And win the shot put. So that's it for today. Uh, 
see you guys on Friday. Next episode's gonna be a big one. Is I'm um, gonna be joined by my brother again, Joel Pulliam from First and Fifteenth Podcast. We're gonna be talking about the BT Awards and and we're gonna be talking about the 50th anniversary of hip hop. And we're even gonna have some lists. So tune to the next episode. Also, something I haven't done yet, shockingly, since we're already 16 episodes in, uh, I have a Twitter page. You should follow it. It's Blake Pulliam. It's basic. It's my actual name. Blake Pulliam. B-L-A-K-E-P-U-L-L-I-A-M. That's at Pulliam underscore Blake. All lowercase. Same spelling. The link's in the description. And also, please subscribe. Whatever platform you're on, whether it be Spotify or Apple, hit the subscribe button. So with that being said, we'll see you all on Friday. All right, y'all.